Hi there, and welcome to the latest um, in the series of Standing in the Rubble. Uh, today, I am joined by Matt Barlow, who uh, more latterly is leader of Light Church in Bradford, um, but you might recognize him as um, CEO of CAP for 14 years at this point, I think part of CAP for 21 years. So welcome, Matt. Great to have you with us. Great to be with you, Adam. Nice to see a little bit of a uh, southwest uh, blue sky behind you. It's a beautiful day in Somerset. Yeah, <laughs> beautiful day in Somerset. Thank you so much um, for making the time. And obviously, um, you came into, you know, you took the step out of CAP um, and into church leadership, actually not long before all this lockdown, right? What was, what was the timing there and how how's that been for you? Uh, well, so it was, it was this time last year that, uh, yeah, my whole world was thoroughly and utterly shaken when the voice of God started to speak to me about moving on from CAP, something that I was genuinely actually quite scared about doing. Mm -hmm. And if you told me I was going to have to, it was, it was just a bit of, I really don't want to leave not only the cause behind, but the people behind that I was working with. And absolutely, I cannot tell you how much I loved my job. And, uh, but, but God called me into local church ministry. And so, yeah, obviously a reasonable transition period out. Uh, I started kind of leading the church. So just so people know a bit of context, I am, so myself, my wife, uh, along with our friends, John and Lizzie Kirby, we actually founded the church nearly 12 years ago. And, uh, but I'd been out of leadership for a little bit of time whilst I took on international leadership of CAP as well. So, so yeah, so I stepped into it in January, fully left CAP end of January, early February, and wow. then had, yeah, had about six, seven weeks of normal church leadership before COVID hit smack. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Quite dramatic then. I mean, you weren't new to the church, but still that's a, that's a big shift and then straight into, um, so then obviously stepping out of CAP was this huge, um, huge step of faith. You know, God speaks and you're like, okay, but okay. Um, and then you take this huge step of faith into a church and six weeks later you find yourself in lockdown. Like, is, is that step of faith help you at that point? Or is that step of faith coming to question at that point? What, what happens to that, um, to that step of faith? What happens in your heart, in your spirit at that point? Yeah, well, I mean, it's a massive mixture of emotions. Um, from i mean leaving cat was huge uh but i'll be honest i'm quite glad i don't have to lead cat through this <laughs> you know being really honest <laughs> sorry paula my, my successor and the new team there but you know really it, this is a hard job for them to do because the very essence of cat ministry is face to face it's incarnational yeah. and uh and so some serious challenges there and then for me i would actually say it was I, I genuinely, even though, of course, we all have days where we're a bit like, oh, I'm desperate to see people and get back to, you know, normal life of engaging face to face with people. I personally embrace the whole thing as a gift. Um, as, yeah, I mean, I know you, Adam, you're a leader that likes change. And you know that if I turned up at the Light Church and basically stood up and said, you know what, what we're going to do for the next few months is we're going to stop meeting together. In fact, we're going to stop pretty much everything we do normally and we're going to take a bit of a break, but we'll keep it going online and all that sort of stuff. And, and then we're going to kind of maybe form something new out of it. If I'd said that, half the church would probably have left, wouldn't they? Yeah? You know? At least half. 
can, can you imagine the, the, the kind of the kickback I would have got if that had been my first move? Yeah. And yeah, by, yeah, the providence of what has happened, you know, with this awful thing that's hit our nation, yeah. I'm sitting here and I've almost been given that as a gift, yeah. as, as I think every church leader has, but almost like I, I didn't even have time to get stuck in any ruts. And so genuinely, genuinely grateful that people have discovered that you can connect with God in your own living room, have discovered that you can pray online with one another. Have just, you know, so much that we have learned through this, you know, we started a lunchtime prayer thing three and a half months ago and, or three months ago, wherever we are. And it's still going every single day, faithful people turning up to pray. We've never prayed as much. And so there's so much that's good coming out of it. And the other thing I was going to do was, you know, I really felt God say, just take the next few months. And this is before COVID here. Take the next few months to really press into me, seek me for vision, take some time, take some space. And yeah, whilst it has been busy, I don't think it's been as busy, busy as it would have been for me anyway. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Quite a blessing. So, um, I, so as you've come into this, obviously on a personal level, God has given you this incredible opportunity to rethink, reimagine, um, what's healthy, what's not healthy, what works, what are we, um, but what beyond just the light church, what do you feel God's up to? at this time like you know i think there were you'll be just as aware as i was all these you know various prophecies that were going around beforehand about maybe a new move of god people contending for renewal or revival and a sense that god was going to do something but maybe it wasn't going to be what we something that we recognized um and then here we are in lockdown um what's your prophetic sense of what god is doing here um nationally Sure. Well, one thing I will, will comment on is, so in my 21 years at CAP, I traveled around the country and spoke at, I have no idea how many churches. I even had the privilege of, you know, traveling out to Australia, New Zealand, Canada, America, spoke in some churches in different countries. And almost like my biggest takeaway from that opportunity is the absolute lack of creativity of how we do church is beyond shocking. It really is. You know, it is so predictable. And, and you know, when we started the Light Church 12 years ago, it was my heart and passion to do something different. And I would say that we haven't done anything that different. And partly, you know, we were all leading in our spare time and not really with the time and energy and focus to do it. And, and, and so it really is my hope that we can rediscover something. You know, we have such a creative God. I mean, just look at those beautiful trees behind you. Yeah. And, you know, the beauty of nature that I think we've appreciated in a fresh way over, over lockdown. And yet that, you know, the, the greatest creativity we can come up with is writing some slightly different songs and maybe a slightly better presentation on the screen to go with our 30 minute talk. Right. And, and so that, you know, I don't know if that's prophetic or if that's just me being critical or, you know, but that's, that, that's, that's, what, I, that's what I observed. Yeah. And then probably, probably the, the, yeah, the other thing, I mean, definitely for me personally, 
So interestingly, the very last sermon I preached uh, before lockdown happens was the importance of church meeting in homes. And uh, that was like my final message that I managed to bring. And then before you knew it, bang, we were all in our own homes. And, and I do believe personally, and this is what's something that I'm chasing after as a church, is that I think as church, and I believe lockdown has helped us with this, is we need to reprioritize meeting in homes versus the large gathering. And, and I think this has proven it's possible. And I'm trusting there'll be a time as well when we can meet in homes and, and kind of raise that to a new place that that becomes the main place where disciples are made. Because actually I think it probably already is the main place disciples are made, but because we haven't prioritized it, we prioritize Sundays, which can be so consumeristic, that actually that's probably why we have an awful lot of fans of Jesus, but not a lot of disciples of Jesus. So, so I do think there's something big there that I think we need to grasp hold of. Yeah. And, and the other thing, and yeah, so similar to you uh, for not, not too long, but I've been tracking with um, some of the wildfire stuff only for the last six months or so. I know it's been kind of quite a bit, you know, listening to, yeah, be that uh, through the Cultural Moment podcast or yeah. you know, what some of those guys are chatting about. And, and I love it and I think it's brilliant. But I think the prophetic voice that I would bring, and in fact, I shared this with Pete Hughes when I spoke at his church and launched his CAP Centre. And I share it with Pete Gregg and Tim Hughes and whoever else is in, involved there, is I want to know where the less educated less polished are in the midst of this renewal and i hope and trust that they are at the heart of their churches but if this was if this became a middle class renewal which is basically mostly what we've had which is a middle class church then i believe that we will absolutely miss what god truly wants to do in our nation um, romans 1 14 in the new living translation uh, Paul, Paul writes this, he says, if I have a great sense of obligation to the educated and uneducated alike. And um, yeah, I just totally, totally believe that actually whatever renewal happens, we as a church need to wake up to ensuring that this doesn't just become something that is run by those with degrees and or you know that kind of background and that kind of privilege and upbringing and so that's something that is really on my heart i don't think there are any easy answers at all i think it starts with ensuring that we are reaching people who are in need and from less privileged backgrounds and uh but but yeah so i think almost like what do i sense prophetically and this isn't almost like me saying what i think is going to happen this is more of the old testament prophet of saying if we don't include the poor then let's not really expect a true move of god yeah and that's a great great challenge and um where have you um and you might not have already answers for this but where where have you seen the um the innovation where churches have achieved that well of um you know i was i was in some conversations um during during lockdown but before the whole black lives matter thing with some different church leaders um i was on a six-week course with some church leaders from north america and um and we were talking about 
um, some of the racial divide that goes on, some of the challenges, these, this idea of who are the people with their backs against the wall. And that might, that might be the black community, it might be the LGBTQ community, it might, be, it might be the poor, it might be the people who've grown up with a distinct disadvantage in life and whatever. And then how do we bridge that gap? And how do we make that through? But one of the things that landed with me was, um, and it was in the context of diversity, you know, cultural diversity. And they were saying, you know, there, there are churches who, who are um, racially diverse in that you walk in and there's a number of different races in the room, but they're not culturally diverse. They're, um, and, I, and I just wonder, listening to you there, whether there's some of the same. Um, you're talking about a middle class church, a middle class revival middle-class church in many ways even though we do all this work with all different aspects of society um how do we become culturally diverse um rather than kind of going oh we have all these ministries to the poor we have all this engagement with the poor or the marginalized or the people with their backs against the wall but they need to adapt to our modus operandi they need to adapt to our way of doing things they need to conform to well we're here at 10 and we sing these songs and we you need to be able to sit through a talk for half an hour and you need to be able to like we still expect people whether it's a racial thing or whether it's a cultural thing or whether it's whatever we still expect people to adapt to our system where have you seen churches um break out of that mold i don't know if i have Right. Because um, part of what I have done in kind of moving over from charity leadership into church leadership has, has been kind of sitting there going, right, who do I, who do I connect with? You know, I've got, you know, a few connections already um, of people who are leading reasonably diverse churches. Um, uh, you know, you probably know Carl Beach, um, who leads a good church in, in, in Chesterfield. Another friend of mine, Steve Whittington, leads a church in Hull. And, uh, and those are some people that, yeah, I know that they will have, yeah, uh, yeah, people from less privileged backgrounds sat alongside their doctors and their accountants and, and, and all of that. I think that, I genuinely think it's, uh, it, it, it will take generations to change this stuff. And I think the movement that we've seen in the local church over the last two decades, which has been a movement of realizing it's not all about us and we're here to love and serve and bless our community, has been almost the first step that we've had to take. And that step hopefully has mean that we are now engaging with people who are from different backgrounds. And, uh, and, and of course, there are always, you know, there hopefully are always people in churches from a wide spectrum, but all the stats say predominantly middle class. And so that is almost the first step. And, and, I, and I believe we've done that step well. And I believe we've done it in a way that actually leads people to Jesus as well as meeting practical and physical needs. I believe the next step is working out actually how do we do discipleship differently for a group of people who aren't naturally going to pick up the latest Tim Keller book or get their Bible out and start looking at words in Greek and, you know, and, and, and everything else that goes with it. And not only that, but come with a very different, different, often bigger set of baggage that needs processing and healing and dealing with. Um, and 
yeah and I think that's partly why I'm particularly drawn to kind of meeting in homes and again I realize and understand that can be difficult for some people to meet in to open up their homes because they feel their home is not a place that they want to invite people into the good thing about meeting in homes is it makes everyone a, a part it makes everyone a contributor and I think that that sense that that what priesthood of all believers yeah. is absolutely key and crucial and you know I can remember some of my early years here in Bradford actually and uh, it was in the church prior to this one where I was involved in helping leading small groups with people from very different backgrounds and we get the guitar out and we would sing and the singing would be awful but it would be beautiful all at the same time it really would and everyone would need picking up and taking somewhere because just of the way it worked at nights buses weren't running it was in different parts of Bradford all of that sort of thing I think the biggest challenge to us as the church is to genuinely start living the Jesus way and living the Jesus way is not simply being surrounded by people just like you um, and we are very generally very self-centered in the way that we form friendships of which I will hold my hands up and I'm sure you would hold your hands up as well but if all my friends are yeah like you say white straight middle class then I'm doing something really, really nice in terms of following Jesus. And so I believe there's a big discipleship thing to be done with us as the church first. And hopefully that can then lead to genuine renewal and revival. And it's likely to go better if we involve those that aren't as clever as us, as the Bible tells us. <laughs> Great. I love that, Matt. Love it. And loads for us to, loads for us to think about. And, um, and really encouraging at the same time, you know, I think, um, you know, reflecting on what you're saying, I think as a church at YCC, I think we, we do really well at the engaging with the community. And mm. you know, I think that's, that's one of our strengths, but I think, I think you've helped verbalize some of the stuff that's stirring about, well, how do we take this further? What's the next stage of this? How do we, how do we push into this more? And, um, so that's really helpful. And I just, um, you know, you talked about, homes meeting in homes and and then uh, yeah there's lots for us to think about there and but that's a way where people are going to grow and be discipled and whatever but yeah do, do you have anything to say about how we do um spiritual formation um how how is how are you um in this lockdown in this time of not being able to meet with lots of other people and whatever what does spiritual formation look like for you at this point what are the things that are enabling you to go deeper um, with God and build begins. Um, I'm a fairly kind of typical kind of alpha leader activist. Get on with it, and so I think like many leaders who are wired like that, kind of finding the time to stop and pray and be silent and all of that is yeah man it really is square peg round hole time not familiar um, at all to me that Matt. not familiar <laughs> at all <no. laughs> um i think that yeah I, I i think that i mean one of the things that i really uh, kind of i started with and tracked with for for some good time was just some fresh kind of prayer habits. Mm. And I don't know about you, but I'm actually much, I have a strong, on strengths finder, I have responsibility in my top five. And so I know that if I, if I plan in prayer times that other people are gonna be at, I will be at them. 
Um, but if I plan in the ones that only I'm going to be at, you know, it's probably, probably 50-50 as to whether I'm actually going to turn up and how long I'll be there for. And, uh, and yeah, yeah, uh, as, yeah, we've had this lunchtime prayer moment and every day I see it looming in my diary and I think, oh, but actually, I, do you, you don't ever regret it, do you? It's, right. just around, it's just around having the discipline to actually stop and be and to think and pray. And so, so yeah, it's, it's definitely been great. And um, yeah, I'd also say, man, getting a dog, absolutely wonderful out there in nature, talking, praying, thinking, yeah, genu genuinely just communing with God outside is, is something that's really huge for me and and really really helpful yeah. and, and it's, it's one of those annoying things that i've got a feeling is going to be a battle to the deathbed right um i think you're right every time you think you cracked it yeah i know it's um keep, right. keep keep fighting download your the latest john mark coma podcast keep reading yeah. elimination of hurry and all the other brilliant books that are speaking into this recognizing that probably what he's saying he only lives about 20 percent of it <laughs> brilliant brilliant and is there a final question for you then is there a verse um that is just resonating for you at the moment that is um connecting with you or inspiring you or challenging you or whatever is there a, um, a verse or a part of scripture that you just keep being so, so i mean right at the beginning of the year and this is this is probably really predictable and quite a few people have probably answered this, but right at the beginning of this year, well before COVID, but remember the context, I was just starting in this context and Isaiah 43, see I am doing a new thing yeah. was, was what I started the new year with. Now we all know, you know, you're a pastor starting the new year. We see I'm doing a new thing is not that original and not that inventive and that creative. And uh, I'm always surprised by, you know, why didn't God do more verses about new things so we could at least like quote a few different ones at different points of the more year? More options. We need, yeah, we need more of a playbook on that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's like Jeremiah twenty-nine. You know, I know the plans I have for you, plans are possible. Why can't we have a few more that are really well put like that? That's one of the mysteries of the Bible, isn't it? And the only other place I think we've got around that is when he talks to Peter. He goes, "It's going to be really tough," and Peter's like, "Yeah, yeah, but what about him?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, so yeah. I really, really do believe that, well, actually, I believe that probably God often always wants to do a new thing, um, that he always wants to start something new and something fresh. Because that doesn't mean there isn't times of being faithful for a period of time in terms of what he's given us. And I think that, I think that this is the biggest opportunity that the worldwide church, but especially the Western church, has had to do a new thing. Yeah. I think we need to be honest that what we have been doing has largely been maintenance mode. Um, that doesn't mean there's been good stuff. Of course, there's been some absolutely brilliant stuff. But let's be take a brutally honest, hard look. Even though we know that the new thing will probably be hard work and it'll take, man, it'll take some serious wisdom to work it out. Mm. I, I, I feel totally unequipped for this. I do. I feel totally out of my depth. I've almost no idea. You know, I regularly am journaling nowadays. Just like, I just don't, I, did, I just think this is too hard. I don't know what to do. And, and, and I'm, only, I'm leading a church of a couple hundred people versus leading the charity. Of, the church leaders at this moment. Yeah. And, uh, and so, 
but I, I think it's just a question of just trusting that he's gonna he is doing a new thing yeah and and, and probably my biggest war or, or almost is it a warning i think so we are so because of the instant culture that we live in the microwave you know microwave culture everything needs to be ready in no time at all we need to understand that if god's going to do a genuine renewal it will take decades personally i think so yeah. and you know i had someone in my church you know who was upset four weeks in that you know renewal and revival hadn't broken out and it's you know having to press it and it's just a bit like come on you know this is how he tends to build his church when you look back in history of genuine renewals it's over decades it's not in the space of a few days he has a few revivals where a few days or weeks or months but generally decades and we need to kind of yeah just be faithful in that and keep serving him the best we possibly can that's really helpful it reminds me a little bit we, we did um going back a few years now three or four years we did a, we spent a couple of years looking at the book of mark um and it was just one of my favorite it's probably my favorite teaching series that we've ever done um, but one of the things that struck me is firstly jesus was at this for three years and and the the ebb and flow that is in the book of mark of nearly but not quite the like this is the moment jesus and then no it's not quite the moment and then everyone's with him and then everyone's against him and then everyone's following him and then bunch of them desert him and then like the the ebb and flow and the ups and downs and like whatever revival looks like and surely jesus <laughs> the incarnation of god was the revival that we need to look at um followed by the holy spirit and all of that sort of stuff but even the holy spirit you know that pentecost moment and yeah we saw the spreading of the church across across the world from that point but it still came with disagreement it came with frustrations it came with failures it came with persecution it came with struggle it came with despair and people hiding in rooms and like yeah. it came with you know like it's not it doesn't seem to me that revival is a linear exercise um it seems to me that revival is an ebb and flow it's a it's like i guess the tide coming in there's the the in and the out over a period of time um yeah, yeah, there's good. a there's a time of yeah of perseverance and faithfulness is probably the things that are required more than anything at the moment by the church absolutely and innovation <laughs> and innovation of course innovation yes yeah and that's my innovation i can do perseverance faithfulness that's what we need to work. yeah but um yeah no, interesting yeah thank you so much matt really appreciate your thoughts your input your wisdom your friendship um really appreciate thank you so much